Angela Angie Marciano, my sister, emerged from the womb on a sub-zero February evening and immediately set the medical community around her into a panic for reasons still considered a medical mystery. Angie came struggling out of mother's birth canal with the umbilical cord tightly wound around her neck. The doctor immediately and unceremoniously clipped the cord and unraveled the hangman's noose off her throat to bring Angie gasping to earthly life. Whatever the true cause of this shocking condition it got, sister number three, off to a really bad start in life. Angie has been angry ever since. Indeed, anger was not my sister's dominant mood. It was her constant mood. It overrode all of her other emotions. Even though other emotions such as mirth and melancholy and delirium could be superimposed over her anger, the anger was always present, like the backdrop of a stage production, impervious to the goings-on in the foreground. A particularly keen hostility was directed towards her mother, whom she blamed for tying the hangman's noose around her infant neck. Mother Margarita denied having committed this supernatural act. And instead, she accused Angie of recklessly goofing around with the umbilical cord during her gestation and inadvertently strapping it around her own throat. Daughter would eventually try to have mother charged with attempted murder. Determined to resolve the post-traumatic stress issues created by her strangulated birth Angie started aggressively reading the works of legendary psychologists such as Freud, Jung, and Pavlov en route to becoming the family's pop psychologist. And let me tell you, her diagnosis was grim. The Marciano family, she said, was seriously dysfunctional and sorely in need of individual and group therapy, every one of us. But I have to tell you, if that was true, Angie certainly made her contributions to the familial disturbances. She was a constant source of worry for my parents. They agonized over her increasing isolation and her lack of social life. Angie would spend evenings holed up in her apartment, crunching down bowls of popcorn and sipping glasses of blood red Merlot while reading books authored by Dr. Arthur Janoff. Of particular fascination to my sister was Janov's seminal work titled The Primal Scream. She became especially enamored of Dr. Janov, who hypothesized, and this is how Angie told it to me, that he hypothesized that childhood traumas, including the birthing process, tormented us the remainders of our lives, and that these traumas could be purged from our system. He taught methods for accessing the past, the forgotten traumas, re-experiencing them in all their horror, then screaming at the top of one's lungs to eradicate them from this nervous system, never to be bothered by them again. I can tell you that from personal experience that a primal scream, when properly executed, will make the protoplasm in your blood turn to curds and waves. Angie quickly became a Janop acolyte, embracing his techniques and becoming a serial primal screamer. After the police department had been twice called to her place because fellow apartment dwellers 
thought a homicide was being committed in her unit, Angie started screaming into a pillow. She even made a couple of pilgrimages to New York City to meet the great Dr. Janoff himself and let out a few primal screams under his watchful supervision. She was led through a regression technique to re-experience coming out of the womb, choking on her own umbilical cord, and screaming for her bloody life and psychological well-being. Despite her most diligent efforts, Angie never managed to cleanse herself of those childhood demons. She just kept screaming. She kept screaming over the years, convinced that she was in a steady state of recovery. Mother became convinced that what Angie really needed was a man, someone outside herself to focus on and help alleviate this self-obsession she had. The problem was that Angie wasn't dating. So mother implored Ginger and Maria, Angie's sisters, to intervene by introducing her to a man of her nationality, a man who she might wish to settle down with. It took several years, but Angie did eventually meet someone. Though he was a engineer of German extraction, not an Italian, and his name was Hans Sprink. Hans worked for a toy company where he was in charge of coming up with better, safer, and more exciting designs for captivating children. They ran off to Germany together for Oktoberfest. They ate dozens of sausage links and drank gallons of beer. When they returned home, they sent mother spiraling into months of sleepless nights when she announced at a Sunday family dinner that she and Hans had tied the knot the day before at a private ceremony conducted by a justice of the peace. One of Hans's college buddies served as witness. Mother's head started lolling on her neck. Mother wailed, Holy Mary, Mother of God. No church, no family, no reception. What the hell kind of ceremony did you have? The assignment that Ginger and Maria had been entrusted with had been botched in the worst kind of way, Mother angrily concluded. Then she turned to her youngest and most troubled daughter and said, What's that scream thing that you do, Angie? I think I need to try it. Before Mother could swim any more deeply into the abyss, Angie promised that she and Hans had planned all along to get married again, this time in a big Catholic ceremony, followed by a lavish reception and a honeymoon at the Vatican. All but Mother knew those plans would never come to pass. They were solely designed to pacify the stricken Mother Margarita. Angie loved Hans, though she detested his surname, so she kept the Marciano name as her own. When Hans wasn't around, Angie would say, I can't be a sprink. That sounds like something you do in the bathroom. <laughs>